Hello, adventurers. You have found Homebrew Heels, a Nat One Life podcast. I am one of your hosts, hostesses, Amanda. <laughs> My sister Sarah and I will be talking you through some of the Nat Ones we've rolled in the medical health areas of our life. We are not medical professionals by any means, although I personally have watched quite a bit of Grey's Anatomy. We will be sharing our experiences, how we're advocating for our health, what the experience is like in all its details, good and the gross, the cost of the adventure, and most importantly, how we are working to stay happy and motivated through it all. Journey with us and start to find your way through this net one I found a quote. Nice. Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> it's actually, I, I take it as quite inspirational. I really enjoyed it. Um, it says, my dark days made me stronger. Or maybe I already was strong and they made me prove it. Mm. It's by Emery Lord. I personally love proving myself. <laughs> there is something about that's like getting endorphin rush when you've completed something that maybe was hard mm-hmm. or that you had doubt that you could complete it. And I have a very comical story that kind of illustrates this situation, but um, my daughter and I were doing some of our side gig stuff and we had a very, very difficult delivery that we had to do. And not only was the delivery difficult, but then the weather was against us and Mm -hmm. we didn't have enough space in our car and we had to do all these different things. And, but we were able to make a hundred dollars in an hour. And so we did it all. And at the end of it, my daughter, Katie, she started kind of complaining Like, gosh, that was like, that was so hard. My arms hurt. I can't like, oh, that was just gross. It was cold. It was rainy. It was windy. And I just looked at her and I'm like, you know, you could think about this completely different. And it goes back to that mindset discussion, which I know people we've talked about it ad nauseum. (laughs) I'm like 90% done with the book Sarah gave me. Nice. And it's just one of those things that you start to think about your thinking, which is what makes us so amazing as humans, because we Mm -hmm. have the cape, the capacity to do that. So, um, it, I was like, just change your mindset, Katie, change how you're thinking about it. We were able to complete our task. We literally arrived to applause because we made the day for the people that were expecting the delivery. Um, we proved to ourselves that even though the task was super hard, that we were able to complete it and we were able to complete it timely and achieve our goal to make that money. And so I do think that I love that quote because it, it describes the struggle that some of us have just being, just being Mm -hmm. every single day. But then when you get up and show up and do something, even if it's not a big thing, even if it's just taking a shower or recording the podcast when you weren't feeling well or going to work, you know, when you're just feeling kind of off, it shows the strength to ourselves that we have 
Well, and something as well is that it we have like ebbs and flows, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times people say that there's the good days and then there's the bad days. And so I think recognizing that you successfully fought through those bad days and you are still capable of having those good days and maybe you're just working to have more good days than there are bad days and it might take some time but like it said you will be stronger in the end or will you have just proven that you had it within you the whole time and that you having more good days than bad days is proving that you will, you have that strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people struggle with seasonal depression, especially in our area mm-hmm. and or situational anxiety. And in the past um, we've talked about um, high functioning depression And just depression in general, we've talked about generalized anxiety disorder and having situational anxiety. Um, We've talked a little bit about social anxiety. And so seasonal depression, I mean, it it is what it says it is, seasonal depression. Um, But the season doesn't always mean winter. Yeah, which which, I found super interesting, by the way. Yeah, it's really curious because it's almost like you have your own personal season. Mm-hmm. And people react differently depending on which season affects them. So I also will say this is seasonal affective disorder and the acronym is literally SAD. Oh, sad day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so people who are... Um, affected by the winter months, which is majority of the population who does have SAD, it is the winter months that affect you. Um, But there is a potential or there is a chance that people are affected by the spring and summer months, Mm -hmm. which seems to me opposite. Like spring and summer in my mind, it's like happy go lucky, like you should be out doing stuff, living your best life, doing all the things that you could possibly do. And mm-hmm. then fall and winter. I read it online. Apparently this is common, but I termed it myself without realizing other people had the same mindset. But that I feel like I go into hibernation. Uh-huh. I'm a bear. Sure. <laughs> like during the fall winter, it starts to get cold. I don't really care for the cold. And the nights get longer up where we live. And so I just, I like to stay inside my house all snuggled up and I don't want to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I can understand seasonal depression in the hot months for me. Because can you? I, I can't go outside. Like I, I, oh. I try to describe this to people and I think people most of the time think I'm joking. It's but literally, it's not a joke. Like I I burn so badly even with SPF on. Even with SPF 50 plus, you know, whatever on. It's uncomfortable, you know. And so then I get kind of depressed because I'm like, I can't enjoy the same things as all of these people are enjoying. Because I have to be fully covered, like, mm-hmm. all day long or risk getting. And I've had, like, 
I've had to be hospitalized for my burns. I got, um, when I was in high school, I got second degree burns over like, um, my face and like part of my body, my face got super swollen. My eyes got swollen, like were swollen shut. I've had sun poisoning, like shit that people don't even realize are things that can happen from the fucking sun happens yeah. to my body. And so I can understand it because all that my kids want to do and all that my husband wants to do is like go outside and play. Let's go to the pool. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I'm like, those don't sound fun at all. Right. Because I will die. <laughs> when, I will straight up die. So in, when reading through these lists, I'm going to read through, um, there's about nine bullet points mm-hmm. in regards to the first four are going to be uh, some symptoms you may experience for the winter mm-hmm. uh, seasonal disorder, which is oversleeping overeating, and they say particularly for carbohydrates, mm-hmm. uh, weight gain, and then social withdrawal, which is what they termed hibernating. Yeah. And so for me, I am like, <laughs> heck yes, I am there for almost all of those, except for the weight gain, but that's a personal issue. Like I just mm-hmm. have issues gaining weight. So no matter how much I eat. Um, now for summer, I want you to like think about these and tell me if you experience uh, how many of these you experience. Okay. Trouble sleeping. Yes. A poor appetite leading to weight loss. Yes, because I get too hot to eat. Okay. Restlessness or and agitation. Yes, I hate being hot. Anxiety, which always, always. And then this one, I laugh, but only because I wasn't expecting it. Episodes of violent behavior. Uh, <laughs> Do you feel as if you get so agitated that you act out? I don't I don't think no. you're abusive or anything like that. But do you like do you have moments of like extreme anger or agitation that it turns physical? Not just during the summer. Not just during the day. <laughs> All the rest of the times of my life, of course. Right. So I thought those lists, uh, I thought it was interesting. Because for me, for the winter pattern, those four, uh, it was just the weight gain that was not applicable to me. Yeah, that is, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I, it's just weird because um, I always thought, like you said, Seasonal equals winter. Yeah. We get depressed during winter. The sun goes away. You know, we're like fucking plants. So we're like, where's the sun? I'm so sad. I'm going to die and shrivel up and all that jazz. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, for me, I almost wonder it, it's more cyclical than seasonal. You know what, what I mean? What do you mean? Like... It comes, I, I honestly think, and we talked about this a little bit in our Lutha Booty podcast as well, but mine has a lot to do with my hormones. Mm, yes. And mm-hmm. so hormone imbalance, your hormones are impacted, obviously, by your sun, the sun intake. So like your vitamin D absorption and calcium absorption and vitamin D is very important in terms of regulating hormones and stuff like that. So just so everybody is aware of like, how that works. The reason why sunlight's important is because your body can't actually absorb 
vitamin D and calcium and stuff like that without the sun. Like it's mm-hmm. what converts vitamin D, I think, to its active form. Again, we're not doctors, so go look it up or talk to your doctor um, for more specific information. But generally speaking, that's how that works. And so when I thought about seasonal depression, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. You know, the sun goes away. We can't absorb vitamin D. Well, then it's realizing, oh, well, then that means you're not regulating your hormones as well. So then that can lead down to a whole other thing. So then if you're also on hormone replacement therapy, that could mean that potentially you need a different therapy or a different regimen for certain seasons because of how the vitamins um, and things like that impact your body. No, and this is perfect because this, the whole concept of seasonal depression, if you live up somewhere up north, I feel as if it's so common that it's something that people just talk on a normal basis about. They're like, oh, our days are going to get longer. Here comes that seasonal depression. Like people, it's so common uh, for, I feel like I could be completely wrong, but I feel like it is so common up here up north that it's, people just feel as if they just need to deal with it. It's almost like a joke. Right. Here comes winter. Guess I'm going to get depressed. Got to go get my Prozac refilled. But I wonder if it's because part of the issue is that this is still super new to us in discovering. Scientists Mm -hmm. don't have, like, hard evidence to determine why it is that people are affected by this or what truly does cause it. They have guesses or hypotheses. They, sorry, not hypotheses. They have theories that... It's during the winter time, like you were saying, the sun isn't there. So then our vitamin D, which um, helps with our serotonin, Mm. is lacking. Mm. But then during the summer months, it's actually our melatonin that is being deficient. That is... Yeah, uh, internal clock's getting all fucked up. Exactly. Mm. So, and I do wonder, like you were saying, if people do experience seasonal depression either winter or summer that maybe it's a situation where we need to look at our levels of either serotonin melatonin vitamin d whatever to they just have to be adjusted so during those months maybe we need to take more vitamins or something along those lines or different specific vitamins like yes your your regimen should change based upon the seasonality yeah Um, yeah I also think that um one thing that people or it's kind of blurring the lines between loot the booty and pursuing your Patronus everybody but it I mean your food impacts your mood and um because of what you're putting into your body is going to impact how your body is um responding to that And so one thing to consider is, especially in the United States, because that's where we live, our food industry is a little wonky. So if you think about like 100 years ago, or probably even less than that, but 100 years ago, people ate seasonally. You ate the food that was available for this season. And so I'm curious if root vegetables and things like that 
that are more naturally occurring in the colder months have natural occurring melatonin or not melatonin, um, serotonin, serotonin, or have natural occurring. Yes. And so because now we can eat basically whatever we want in the United States at any time, um, if you're not, we have a huge hunger issue anyway. So if you are not homeless and all of that jazz, you pretty much have access to a lot of food in the United States and we choose to eat whatever we want, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it has the nutrients that we need in order to improve our mental health. No. And I like where you're going with this. This is really interesting. So one of like the whole, I know this is going to sound super hippie, like seventies hippie, Mm -hmm. but it's like mother earth provides. Yeah. Maybe she provides things a certain way for certain reasons. And I'm not saying like, it's all like only humans, you know, like she's only looking out for the human race and whatnot, but. She does it for the animals. Right. But honestly, thinking about like evolution in itself, I am somebody. So, Ooh, this might get a little deep, just real fast for our listeners to understand. So you understand our mindset here, where we're coming from. I do believe in God, but I also am a person who believes in evolution. And so I do believe that over time we, we change. Right. And so maybe that's something that is either in the process of changing or that's something within us that we haven't had enough time to change yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's still evolving. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and you're right. Like you think about going to the grocery store, uh, to the markets to, for the like produce and whatnot, even if things are available, the prices will change because they truly are not available as much. It, right. We're forcing certain foods to grow when they mm-hmm. are out of season. Right. Or we're importing them, you know, right. we're putting mm-hmm. them places where they naturally occur and like one of the things if you go to a naturopath and get your um intolerances and things like that checked one of the things that they can usually tell is uh, um where your ethnicity is like where you're culturally from because that is depend that will can determine some of what you are intolerant to and it makes sense so if you think about like you live in central mexico all these fresh fruits are growing all the time the citrus foods because it's sunny there all the time Mm -hmm. so then you're at you're closer to the equator so then if you think about well how much serotonin are you going to need probably not a lot because the fucking sun's out all the time but you might need some melatonin regulation so i'm just curious like i'm gonna look this up really fast Naturally occurring melatonin. Well, and and this brings up, so we just got done talking about like eating, like foods being uh, grown in certain areas, like just how they naturally occurred and whatnot. But thinking about our past and where humans have come from, Mm -hmm. like we've moved around and with the United States being having its history that it does have and being a melting pot and whatnot, like some people may 
not have been meant for certain environments. Like their background, like you think about uh, my ancestors. I have a lot of ancestor ancestors up in Ireland, but I also have a lot of ancestors in Italy. Mm-hmm. And so if my body is taking more from my Italian side and then I majority of my life is up here up north where it's nothing like Italy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe my body's having a hard time dealing with that. Right? That's hilarious. Um yeah, and I mean but that makes total sense. So if we go back to like things that might be occurring re or um naturally available in Ireland, things like citrus fruits don't grow there mm-hmm. but in southern italy yeah you have citrus fruits because you guys have to th- we have to think about how far apart they actually are in yeah. terms of where they are on the equator and so one of the things that i just said was which foods have naturally occurring or highest in naturally occurring melatonin and okay guys my theory might be close to you know might be onto something here yeah okay cherries corn which grows in warm environments, especially Mexico, tomatoes, pomegranates, olives, grapes, cucumbers, um, walnuts, sunflower seeds, mustard seeds, flaxseed. So interesting. Those most of those grow in warm climates. Yeah, they do. So if you think about it, then I'm just gonna say naturally occurring serotonin food oatmeal salmon mm, let's see here it says to carbs bright light carbs yeah um so whole wheat bread cheese oatmeal brown rice and so if you think about that like the grains and stuff no that's actually perfect because when this like i mentioned before the symptoms for winter uh seasonal depression is an overeating of particularly of carbohydrates Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, so those are naturally occurring, but we have them in abundance here. So you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it mm-hmm. should be. I don't know. Anyway, I just think it's very curious. No, I think I agree. that Mother Nature, to your point, to go back to the whole point, tries to provide what we're going to need, and obviously we have science and all this really cool shit that we can do. And that's great. But sometimes it makes us lose track of the target, which is living a healthy life and understanding that, you know, you don't need to eat a huge bowl of pasta in the winter, you know, or whatever. And I don't know, you know, just trying to understand what's growing naturally around me. What are the things that I should be putting into my body? Because usually, usually the world will provide for us. So then uh, switching over from the seasonal disorder, it only happens for uh, a short period of time, mm-hmm. uh, depending, uh, obviously. And 
I will actually note that the scientists do believe that it affects those who already have um, mental health background, meaning like bipolarness, depression, anxiety. If you already have some mental concerns in place, um, then you might be even more easily affected by the seasons. That makes um, sense. Yeah. I figured as much, too. But we also mentioned at the beginning that not only is there seasonal disorder, but there's also a situational anxiety. So focusing in on where there's these, I don't want to say they're not mental disorders, but it's just impacts to your mental health Mm -hmm. that aren't constant that people may experience. And so situational anxiety is another very, very common um, mental, uh, uh, to me, it's like an, a, men- a mental attack uh, that yeah. people may experience. I, I think that's a great way to describe it. It's like a mental assault or attack. Um, and this is one of those things that, again, I think has a really negative connotation, kind of like stress, right? Mm-hmm. Stress is bad. Stress really isn't bad. It When there's too much stress or too many stressors, that's when it gets overwhelming. But mm-hmm. the truth of the fact of the matter is, is that we operate because of stress, right? Like there, there's certain factors that push you to make decisions or push you to do certain things. And stress isn't always a bad thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like anxiety kind of gets a similar, a similar connotation of yeah. like, it's bad. Well, anxiety is not always bad. Like it's usually your body or your mind trying to alert you to something um, or being like, uh, this feels weird or, you know, like almost like your your little voice in your head. Um, yeah, it's a little it's your body warning you about yes. something. Right. And so I think that there's this negative like, oh, she has anxiety. Well, about what? You know, and so that situational part is very important, like you said. Um, so have you ever experienced situational anxiety? Absolutely. Okay. And what, do you have an example? Um, I used to perform mm-hmm. and um, with a group like dancing and whatnot. And so each performance, I would have anxiety like no other to the point where it was bad. I would make myself mess up because I knew like I was so anxious and especially like for certain parts where I knew it was difficult or that I was struggling to complete in the past during practice. And so I would get so anxious that I would cause myself to mess up instead of just trying to uh, calm down and like think. Trust your body. Yeah. Like, to just let it, just let the moment happen and to trust myself that I knew what to do correctly. Because I did. I, it's not like it was a situation that was impossible. I had mm-hmm. been successful. I knew what I was doing. I was just, I was performing in front of people who were literally judging me. Right. So like I'm getting graded on this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in tests, I am not mm-hmm. a test taker. Mm-hmm. Because of this. Yeah. I. I remember your test anxiety for reals. Yeah, like, it, it is real. Damn. Yeah. 
it is for real. <laughs> um, but it's really, you know, it can be debilitating. And I think that people don't realize or or they they maybe realize but or they think they're being silly because they feel that way um but it's a real thing like having that kind of situational anxiety can be debilitating in that moment just yeah. because you're not always an anxious person person doesn't mean you won't at sometimes be anxious and so when I was reading up on this, you know, there's a lot of common situations that people have situational anxiety. Um, and so one of them is public speaking. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people can relate to that one. Because it's just like you said, the performance factor. I'm yeah. being judged or, you know, I'm up here by myself. What if I trip over my words? Um, and uh, another one is um, just meeting a new person so the initial social interactions oh man okay it was very anxiety inducing um because you don't it's again that fear of judgment you don't know what the other person's gonna be like are they gonna like me am i gonna like them what if i stumble over my words what if i don't remember their name that one goes through my head a lot um And so there's just a lot of different situations, but the difference between, I think, situational anxiety and just regular generalized anxiety disorder is you're just anxious about that situation versus being anxious about everything in the world. Right. And situational anxiety, it's not even recognized as a specific condition because so many like everybody experiences situational anxiety at some point in their life there's if somebody goes through life and has never been anxious for anything that to me actually means that there's something wrong critically with your either with your brain or your uh levels I don't want to say hormone levels, but just something or something you're a sociopath because you're not, your body isn't responding to yeah, like the stimulus critical situations that really like we are meant to feel anxiety when it comes to like car accidents or coming to, yeah, coming close to like a gun or a knife. Like, yeah, at some fight point, or flight response. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That that means that there's something wrong in that aspect, which can be bad because then you your responsiveness, your reflexes may not be uh, triggered or may not take place. Man, my words are failing me this morning. Right. Um, no, but I I completely agree. Like when you need to have a fight or flight response then your body's not going to do it. And they actually have people that have adrenaline um, disorders. Yeah. And so they won't feel the adrenaline, you know, like they don't feel it. They're just kind of like always level, always even. And then we're meant to have emotions. So. (laughs) Right. Exactly. We're meant to, that's what makes us, fairly unique like there are other animals out there that have emotions but the human race is the one that expresses them clearly and most like define there is a definite like expression that we are able to put forth with our emotions Mm -hmm. a whole scale but the other thing in regards to situational anxiety that makes it different than just general anxiety is there are ways to prevent it. Yeah. 
and tools that you can give yourself to work through it. Yeah. And with general anxiety, it's not, unfortunately, that easy. No. Um, so what are some of the tools that you found? Um, let's see here. So for situational anxiety, depending on, obviously, what the situation is. So you can prepare. So if you, that going back to that example of speaking in front of a crowd, yeah. If you prepare for the speech or like me in my performance, if I felt as if I was prepared enough for that performance, then that anxiety shouldn't be there or it shouldn't be as debilitating. In theory. Right. In theory. Um, the other one, which it sounds scary, but I actually personally agree with it, is to expose yourself to the fear or to mm that situation that makes you anxious. Obviously, please do not do this if it results in harm or if you're being your situation is a flight or fight moment. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's just like talking to somebody or getting to know people, just doing it more often. You you start it's it's along the same lines of preparing yourself. You're it's a test run. And right. that way, when you get to a moment where it's extremely important or you've just exposed yourself so much that it, it comes naturally to you now and you know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like um, you've been desensitized. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, the yeah, the biggest one I saw was preparation. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the desensitization. And then I also think that um, if it's like a social anxiety situation, trying to go out with a friend or having somebody that you feel there you go. confident with. So then that way you have kind of a buffer. <laughs> in, in or in case you're like, if you're going to have a freak out moment, if you're going to melt down, you have somebody that can help either get you out of this situation or get you to a safe place. Um, if you're really feeling like a panic, come on. Um, well, with situational anxiety, usually that doesn't happen that bad. But. But I mean, but it's smart because especially if you're with the friend who who knows. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like what to expect. Yeah, exactly. But other than that, you know, I think it's really just being honest with yourself, recognizing when you're having those moments and trying to figure out, like Sarah said, what tools do I have to get me through this? And or do I need to prepare myself for something in the future? Because if it's a situation that you're going to be coming across a lot going forward, then you maybe want to think about how to deal with it. Yeah. So let us know what kind of situational anxiety or seasonal depression that you've ever struggled with. Um, and how did you guys get through it? What did you do to cope? Have you found any good um, vitamin or food regimens that have worked for you? We would love to know. Yeah, most definitely. We are up here in the north, but for those um, from anywhere down south, uh, let us know if you have any tips and tricks just based off of your location. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Pursuing Your Patronus and that it made you think a little bit about mental health and pursuing your own happiness and finding your ultimate Patronus.
Make sure to stick with us here and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all those social media sites. And if you're enjoying your Pursuing Your Patronus podcast with us, you may also want to think about checking out our Loot the Booty series and also where we nerd out on YouTube. Expecto Patronum! Shitty boy.